and a world of questions. Two nerds with microphones make up the answers and discuss the intersection of faith and everyday life. Today's episode, Great Expectations and Failed Endings. A deep dive into Cersei Lannister's character in Game of Thrones. Took me a second to remember the the tune. <laughs> this is Kelly. This is Adam. And we're excited to This is kind of our first character study podcast, right? Yeah, I mean I mean Except your absolute hatred of Tom Brady. <laughs> no, that was a character assassination study. There's, there's a difference. I mean, we're kind of going to do the same thing today, right? Yeah, but she kind of sets it up a little easier. <laughs> I mean, there are people who, who still think that Tom Brady's a, you know. Look at you coming around to Tom Brady being a human being. Uh, I said there were people. <laughs> I didn't say me. Oh, he thinks he's people. <laughs> I... Love it. I think the other caveat we had here today was like how good things go bad. Yeah. Um, and so uh, here I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you questions today. Oh no. <laughs> all right. So pre-existing ideas and the shaping of narratives to fit. Uh, I think Cersei's just such a fantastic character. So let's talk about that, Adam. Give me give me some thoughts. All right. Well, so first, Game of Thrones, popular book series. Even more popular television series for the fi first five seasons, and then it tanked, hence the failed endings. And one of the characters in this series that is kind of a grounded world of fantasy that is kind of more realistic than the, you know, I prefer Tolkien, that's my guy. I love Lord of the Rings and that high fantasy genre where the good guys are pillars of moral example examples and the bad guys are just all irredeemable uh and game of thrones george rr R. martin gives us a world that is much more nuanced and textured and lots more nudity and violence <laughs> and cussing <laughs> yes i i joke with tolkien people and by the way i am in the tolkien camp of i love tolkien but i'm also like i make fun of y'all like nerds where you're like, oh, great, let's read this page and see how many times Tolkien to describe this leaf. Like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I've spent three chapters learning about the scenery. Fantastic. Can we please go somewhere? And then we go on an adventure. It's true. The Battle of Pelennor Fields lasts for two paragraphs, whereas the describing of the Shire is about yeah, 14 We should pages. have just done Lord of the Rings again. Well, uh, <laughs> lessons learned. Right. Mistakes were made. So, so Cersei, right? Lannister. Complex character. Very complex For character. Sure. Great. By the way, Lena Headey, Headley. Fantastic. Lena Headey. Same thing. No. <laughs> I feel like it's that's what I Headley said. Headley Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody gets that joke, we can be best friends because Blazing Saddles is arguably one of my favorite movies. And you can't watch it or talk about it now. Ever. It's, no, not ever. <laughs> it's not Hedy Lamar. It's Hedley Lamar. <laughs> Lena Hedy. I'm probably wrong. Now he's going to check it out. He's going <laughs> to. We're Googling. <laughs> this may be re recorded over. <laughs> How many times can oh, we. Oh, you're right. It is. It, no, it's Lena. It's Lena Hedy. I think you're correct. Okay, continue. Okay, right. so it's Hedy. Thank you. Great actress portrays this complex character of Cersei very well. Cersei is portrayed as a villain in the series. And she really is an excellent villain for the series. She's the queen of the Seven Kingdoms who's married to a putz a putz i mean you know <laughs> robert lannister robert lannister robert baratheon is an alcoholic a womanizer a fritterer of money well, well to, yeah we'll, we'll just say full of debauchery he's just he's just a you're when people say like depending on what circle you're in when we say like 
full-fledged in the deep end of the pool of hedonism, it's Robert Baratheon. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue. So, but she has a secret relationship with her own twin brother. Uh, a secret incestuous relationship with her own twin brother that has produced the three heirs to the throne of the Seven Kingdoms. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this is where you turn the... If the kids are in the room now, you put headphones in. <laughs> I should have warned y'all. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert. Uh, not for children, this one. Uh, yeah, so she has three kids. They're all Ill- illegitimate kids. All right? illegitimate. And the thing that really drives Cersei's character is that everyone in the world is an asset or a threat. Mm. And so we're, we're talking about pre-existing ideas and the, the shaping of narratives to fit. She has a pre-existing idea that everyone is either to be under her or to be eliminated by her. Say, say that first thing you said. So, so they're an asset or a threat. And I would submit to, like, I think that's a really solid breakdown, but as well, like, they're, they're a threat that is an asset. Like, I, I think her, one of the things that's so tough about her character, and, like, Lena's fantastic. Like, that's always the mark of a good villain, right? How much you despise and hate them. Yeah. And, like, oh, my gosh, that woman needs to, like, right. Like, you're like, oh, and that's why we're all so mad because the way that that ends is not fulfilling at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, just a failed ending. It's like Jordan, Jordan Belfort from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. We were talking about that today. I'm we like, were. I'm like, oh, that villain doesn't... Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, but she does have that complexity where there's always that calculating thing where, like, you are a piece for me to use. Yeah. How I see fit. And um, I'll kill you before you hurt me. <laughs> right? <laughs> So as we're as we're talking about the this character and this this idea of a person who who takes whatever she's given, whatever information comes to her, whatever people come to her, and she will warp it or twist it to fit her own worldview and narrative. I mean, we we have from the very beginning of of the of the series, like the first introduction of her She's already. She and her brother have have literally killed the, the the top counselor to the king. He's called the Hand of the King because he found out their secret. <laughs> I don't don't forget. Like like we can't go like full R rated here, but but like the third episode, they're visiting the Starks. Oh no, that's like ep- the end of is episode that, one. Is that episode? Yeah, that's episode one. And they're doing stuff they literally should not be doing. And uh, doesn't he? He pushes the the Stark boy out the window. Her right? brother. Her brother. And he says, yeah. and he says nonchalantly, the things I, I do, do for, for love. love. Like what a bone! Like what a bone chilling! Like mm-hmm. y'all are so evil. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like yeah, episode one, she's killed the 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 cou- the top counselor to the king. She's killed him, John Aaron, and she coerces her brother lover into <laughs> brother lover. I mean that, that's what he is <laughs> into attempting murder of an eleven year old boy. Yeah, quickly establishes this character as. Really wicked, very corrupt, very self-obsessed, and seeing she sees the world in terms of very black and white. Yeah, it's it's um, Cersei's fascinating to me too, right? Because she's It's it's almost like right like and, and I know there's backstory there and and spoiler alert for y'all if if we're spoiling anything for you uh, I'm not sorry because it's been out forever and you can watch them all and now the books are like way behind the series and it's probably one of the reasons the series went downhill True. but but in the backstory we get from from her character and her development from the time she was young to the time that she gets to where she is um one of the other reasons I think 
it's so easy to really dislike her is there doesn't seem to be really much justification for like her her behavior. Like there's some. There's some, but you're right. I mean, it's not like she had this this uh tragic you know, history that yeah. I mean, she had she had I mean, everybody's got traumas and her character has traumas, you know, she she was raised without a mom. <laughs> Dad's like awful. Her dad is she, Machiavelli. She, she, yeah, and she was traumatically given information that like totally warped her understanding of her own self-importance. Mm-hmm. And then she was quote-unquote sold, not really sold, but pressured into marrying a man that she was excited to marry. And then we learned later that it was never going to work. And all this other stuff. But, like, but the extent she goes and the things she does to people with the complete disregard of the consequences of those things is um it's almost like right like for i don't know about you but you've met people you've heard things about what people were doing and you're like okay i kind of understand some of this but the levels that they went to or how far they went into that behavior or that evil you're like shocked yes right it's like our it's the weird thing in our culture right of the 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 obsession with the weird it's like people who watch crime dramas. I'm like, why? Like you're and already, now we've lost another listener. Yeah, I'm like, you're already like paranoid. You don't want to go to bed at night. Like you're already like making serious decisions that could have serious consequences about personal life choices because of this. And then you're filling yourself with all of these like scary detrimental things. And so Cersei, like uh, to, to move it into this, right? She creates... The issues. Right. Right. I mean, we were talking about, in particular, one series, in, in one, one series, one scene in season one of the series on television. Now, for those of you who have watched the seasons of Game of Thrones, anybody who has ever watched any pop culture films knows that as soon as Sean Bean appears in something, <laughs> he is going to die. Always. <laughs> Sean Bean is there to die. That's what he is. And so for those who didn't, who weren't aware of that, congratulations, you're in the 5%. Um, <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to think of what movies he's in that he doesn't die. I think it, National Treasure is one. No, he dies. Does he? He dies in National Treasure. Okay, he dies in Equilibrium. He dies in Fellowship of the Ring. He dies and badly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> badly. Uh like there's an entire YouTube video of Sean Bean <laughs> movie death. It's almost like your bacon number. Like that's a whole other thing. Okay, okay. So so first season, right? Like so like, first season, there's this scene where Cersei Lannister is in, is is engaged in a conversation with Ned Stark, who's played by Sean Bean, and Ned Stark is the pillar of virtue and honor and integrity and all that is Captain America in the world. And so Ned Stark's character, who is lawful good for you D&D nerds out there, finds out Cersei and Jaime's secret, that they have a relationship that all three of Robert Baratheon's children belong to Jaime instead of to Robert. And instead of playing the Game of Thrones, Ned Stark goes to Cersei and says... I have found all of this out. I'm telling you this because I want you to flee because your husband will hunt you down if you don't. He's not going to forgive this. Uh-huh. And the response of sane, rational human beings to that is to protect their children. Cersei's response is... So, right. So, so for context as well. The Starks and, uh, oh. and and uh, so so the reason the Lannisters are at Winterfell, yeah, where that whole thing happens, is because Robert has now come as a personal favor to go. Ned, you're coming back with me. I need your help. I need you to be the hand of the right, king. right, yeah. right. So they do this whole thing and they go, and then there's all this conflict between the Starks and the Lannisters on the trip back. Yeah, there's all this weird stuff that goes down. So so when when Ned finds this out. 
Ned goes to her, and, and the whole dialogue is essentially like, you're going to die, and you're, all your kids are going to die, and I'm giving you the opportunity to leave and to, and to figure it out and, and to get out of here, go back to where you're from. Um, and, and, you know, he, I think he even says something to the effect of, like, he's going to try to, like, not make Robert, like, hunt them down. Like, there's this, there's this thing that he does as a courtesy to her, right, amidst all of these other problems that are going on. And so I think, to further the point, what happens here, and this will also, like, as we're talking about the development of her character and her own, like, arrogance... Right, so she's also blinded by this idea that she thinks she can manipulate everybody and get it done. So, she'll let me backtrack for a sec. Uh, oh yeah, so her response is, so this is what she does. She goes, okay, I'm going to, Robert goes out for a hunt. She, her, one of her nephews is uh, the wine bearer. Or the cup bearer. Cup bearer, So yeah. they lace the wine with drugs. So Robert is trying to fight with a boar. This of is course. a pattern, right, of right. behavior. And he's, like, solo. He's the only one, like, right? And so he dies. He, he gets mortally wounded by the boar because he's, he's hopped up on something, can't control his body, and the thing just runs him through. So he's dying. So, so Cersei engineers this because Joffrey, the crazy psycho kid, yeah. Is the next in line to become king. So so Cersei's like, okay, I can control Joffrey. Joffrey answers to me. I'm his mom. Like I she manipulates everybody, right? She controls everything, right? Mm-hmm. So she kills. And so what happens at the end of the season is Ned Stark compromises. The only time he's ever compromised. Now we think that Jon Snow is his bastard child, yeah. which we find out later is not. And so that's the only other ding against his character. But Ned Stark renounces something in, comp- like in a way that he never would have, but it's to protect his kids. Yeah. Cersei answers Ned Stark's courtesy and grace and mercy with manipulation and extortion. So she puts Ned Stark back in the same spot, but lies and then says, if you want your girls to live, you have to lie. And so the lie is to save his life so that they can go back to Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Joffrey doesn't answer his mother and, and orders Ned Stark killed. And this is where you start to see Cersei start to spiral, where Joffrey, her boy that she wants to protect from everybody, is now a threat. And, and by the way, Joffrey's like super evil and does some Really messed up, nasty stuff. Yeah, Joffrey's the worst. <laughs> Kudos to the the young man who played him, though, because that was that was well acted. Imagine seeing him in like a kids movie now. <laughs> Evil, <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. But I think you're you're right, and you're onto. There's this pattern that becomes this character for Cersei of she she makes bad situations worse. And she creates her own problems, and then her solutions to the problems only escalate the situation. You know, her solution to being found out was to murder the guy. (laughs) When the next guy comes in and he finds out the solution is to murder her husband, when her son then doesn't follow fall in line and follow the orders i mean she just keeps mm-hmm. she escalates the problem which which kind of goes further and further deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole of of this this the only way this can end is badly for her yeah and she and she never like it's the assumption right i think her character assumes that she's always ahead. Right, she's yeah. always in control. She's always got it together. Right? And that's that's also what's so funny is like until like the last... It's like the last two seasons is where you start to realize like she's like careening out of control. Right? She's just lost. She's just lost. But there's that, that arrogance of, 
oh, I, I'm in, I'm plotting, I'm smarter, I'm better, and it's the par- her, her character experiences all of this paranoia, but a lot of that paranoia is self-induced. Yeah, but like Ned came to her, had no business, like, hey, and like gave her the opportunity to go, and she doesn't, and then by doing that. She creates all these other enemies that end up being her downfall. Um, not just externally, but even familially yeah. creates other issues for her. Right? Absolutely. I mean, and that's what she's... I mean, her character had done that basically her whole life. Like, making enemies where she could have made friends. And one of the quotes that I think from the character of Cersei that absolutely defines the character comes in in the second season when she's talking with her her younger brother Tyrion whom she hates whom she loathes who she blames for every bad thing that ever happened to her yeah she says this is what ruling is lying on a bed of weeds ripping them out by the root one by one before they strangle you in your sleep yeah, like what a what a fun way to live, right? Right? Talk about paranoid. Like everything is is a threat or going to become a threat. And the only way you 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 rule is by literally eliminating your threats. Yeah, and she and she eliminates threats before they become dangerous. Right, so the assumption is you're always having to look for the next thing that can harm you, and you have to get it before it gets you. Um, I I feel like there's so many different like uh, backdrops and 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 correlations you can make to that character and current culture and people and kind of the things they struggle with. Um, But I but I I want to harp on this. I, I keep mentioning the the creating more enemies and doing these other things and um one of the things that that i think is applicable to you know not just the spiritual life but just people in general with cersei's character is cersei is always confirmed in her suspicion right right even if there's other information that's presented or there's other things that could happen or there's a choice that is healthier or better or more restorative she a hundred percent of the time chooses to confirm her paranoia and it's and it's like um so in a lot of stories right you'll see like a character like part of their development arc right is that like they're the they're the tough one the, the paranoid one and then they open themselves up and then people take advantage of that and they manipulate that. And then the character goes back and you're like, okay, valid. Like, like you were vulnerable and everybody's trying to kill you anyway. And like, now you, like, I get it. That never happens to her. No. She is always calculating, moving pieces. And um, there's no development in that. She is just this way. And she chooses it. Um, the other quote I love is the I choose violence quote. I choose violence. And, and she, <laughs> but it, but you, you're right. Like there's that, or, or that point you're making is great where she, like what an imagery of, they're going to strangle you in your sleep. Like you're vulnerable in your sleep, right? But it's this, it's this, um, not only does she keep making enemies, she also makes enemies of the people that are closest to her, the ones that she, keeps telling herself she's trying to protect and to keep safe, which excuses her inhumanity. Yeah. And then, you know, as she develops, she's confronted with the idea that she's just this hate-filled person and she constantly acts out on it. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, we, we talked a little bit in, in prepping that she suffers from confirmation bias. <laughs> Any new information is always twisted to confirm her own her own bias. Um, there's an, a scene once the the series starts to go off the rails, and you all know that it, it those of you who've watched it know it goes off the rails, where 
there's this new threat that is worse than the Starks, that is worse than the vendettas that she has uh, created with others in the world. And it's this threat that's going to wipe out the entire world. And she is confronted physically by a manifestation of this threat, a zombie. Uh-huh. And her response is to then plot to allow the zombies to overrun her other human enemies because, oh, well, it'll take them longer to reach me and I'll have time and I'll figure it out. Rather than to realize, oh, wait, no, this threat really legitimately is going to wipe out the world and I need to join with my enemies. And the enemies have come to you at great personal risk, not just to harbor the, the entity that they've brought to you that is incredibly dangerous, but also, like, you've, you've made it very clear that you want to kill them. And so they've come to you to present this to you, to give you the gravity of the situation and the reality of it, and invite you into the solution. Something, when we were prepping and we talked about that I never considered or we didn't talk about was, you know, Tyrion seems to also be this... this uh, uh, I don't want to say lighthouse to her, but is this constant like voice back to her humanity? Yeah, right. Like what? What a paradox of um, I didn't protect the beach. Like you're my sister, and she's. I mean, not just like awful to him is not even the the beginning of like how terrible. Like, Loathing, they, like hatred. she helps engineer the woman he falls in love with. And then they, they, they like toyed with him. I mean, all of these horrible things that happened to Tyrion are in cahoots with their dad, but Cersei like engineers these things. And he's constantly going to her going, I'm doing this for you and for our family. And I'm trying help me, help me. Rem like you are not this. And it's funny how like, I'm picking up on that now, but it, it's, it's this constant call back to like, hey, like you don't have to be this. You don't have to be this. You don't have to choose this. And she just constantly chooses it. Constantly chooses uh, But you're right. Like that, that, I remember that episode too where she's like, it, it's like the, the demeanor, the facade, the, the stoic, like standoffish, like you're just scheming. And then the thing comes out of the box. Yeah. And it and she's like, she's actually really scared. She's, for the first time, legitimately like frightened. Unhinged a little, right? Yeah. And then she regains her composure, and then she lies and says, of course we'll send. And then she's like, absolutely not. And Tyrion's like, you gave them your, what, what, what do you mean we're not going to go help? Yeah, actually, that was Jamie who who was like, "What do you mean we're not going to go help?" Oh yeah, Jamie, Jamie. This is where they start to drift apart. This where is where Jamie's they start like, to drift. "Listen, well, yeah, because Tyrion's already joined the Watch, right?" Because he, yeah, Tyrion is 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 serving Daenerys, who's another character we'll have to do a character <sighs> sketch on. I can't stand Daenerys, man. <laughs> I love Amelia Clark. Yeah, I just, I just, anyway. Um, so, so you wrote something on these notes that I really like. So. Cersei is a victim of what she's been through and also herself. This, I think, ties in line with, like, the confirmation bias thing. Yeah. Is there's this mentality, right, where if you want it to be true, it will be. Yeah. Um, and her character is, I mean, we're not going to get into all of the other cultural things that we could literally directly point at that are currently happening but I think it's worth mentioning as we're talking about like that intersection of faith, right, and, and pop culture stuff is I think it is um, a very clear comparison to how dangerous misinformation is, how dangerous like assuming things and then only, only taking information or twisting information to confirm what I think is right and how dangerous that can be. Not, I don't think that everybody who does this that I know is going to turn into Cersei Lannister, okay? Like, like uh, Conan, what is best in life? Like, <laughs> but, but in that sense of how dangerous of a slope that is. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that for me... The, the character of Cersei is 
is so instructive and so so helpful as I think about how we in how we are how we view our world around us mm-hmm. and how we engage the world around us. There are so many times, you know, we, we were having conversations with friends this this week about the idea that no matter what happens, we only take in information to further confirm our own pre-existing ideas of of things and and this can this this happens with religion when it when when it comes to how religions engage in the world around us but it also happens with 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 others in the world about how they view religion um, oh yeah you know part of my 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 history is i used to be a professional journalist i used to to work in newspapers and I worked at a newspaper where everybody understood in their own head that uh, religions were bad. Like, I, I, I had 20 coworkers, and uh, a couple of them were, 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 were agnostics, but a couple of them were very dogged in their belief that, well, I, I know what you mean when you say religion, and it's oppressive and judgmental and hateful and always this, and... Have have religions done done those things? Absolutely. Is is that a fair critique of how religion religious history has been? Yeah. Is that automatically always true all the time of everything in religion? No. Um, you know, there there are those who have said, well, you know, every war is has been started by religious people. No. Yeah, now you're now you're tickling my my pet peeves on on uh, like absolutes, right? Like so th- this this so Cersei, right? Like Cersei lives in worlds of her own confirmed bias absolutes. Yeah, this is her world is absolute. There is no room for people to be different than her perception of them, right? And and we could talk at length about how that's confirmed and how people have tried to hurt her and her family and, and, and what that's been allowed to do to her and the high pressure situations of like her status or her, her position in, in society and, and that made up world. Right. But, but right. Like, so the, so the religious thing, right. Or, or religion or religious people, um, you know, it's, it's the, the fascinating thing of like, I've turned that back on people too, and not to fight with them and argue with them, but because like pet peeve is, for perspective purposes, I'm like, oh, okay. So, so, tell me more about what it's like to live in this country and and where we came from and who we exploited to get where we're at. Oh, I love being American. Okay, like, walk me through our country's history, and tell me about you know our treatment of indigenous people and and, and these types of things. And not saying that like, you know, go crawl in a hole and cry about it, but but at the same time, like, acknowledge it. Right. And, and, and like the idea that religion is, I say this with bunny ears, um, is the root cause of these things is not true at all because religion isn't, isn't a thing. It's a belief system. It involves people. People are the problem. And that's not to excuse it. Right. And, and, you know, you can make the argument, right? Like, well, you know, it, it, Things can manipulate people and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, and the truths of every culture and every era and, and all of those things are the same. It doesn't need to be religion. It could be money. It could be oil. It could be <clears throat> like global power. Like it could be all these different things. Um, but the truth is, is that the danger that I think Cersei represents and is a good backdrop for is if we find ourselves conf- only confirming our perception of things, it's a very dangerous place to be. The world becomes very dangerous if we never grow beyond what we already think. Yeah, it's, it's what's the joke we make about, like, um, if all of your friends look like you, dress like you, sound like you, believe like you, you might have a problem. <laughs> right? Um, 
Here's here's a fun topic involving Cersei. So perception of extreme circumstances will cause people to compromise their character. Another way to say this, right, is um, people make compromises and they sell parts of their soul. Yeah. Right? So you, you have a character, right, that constantly compromises parts of themselves to get something, and the cost is deadly, right? It, it, it is, there's a heavy, heavy cost. And I think where that kind of correlates to culture and, and spiritual things, right, is that's always like the, the warning throughout the, the entirety of scripture, right, is always like the compromising. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't, like, I don't think, it, here's a scripture I can think of, right, is the one where Jesus says, like, if you hold anger in your heart, you're guilty of murder. And you and I are both like, Oh crap. Like I've murdered I'm, a ton of people. <laughs> I murdered Tom Brady. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but but I think the nuance there, right? Or I think the point of that is, you know, first degree at least, <laughs> is this premeditated thing. Yeah. So there's a festering there. It is planned. It is calculated. It's really sinister. And it's not a reaction to something. It is a planned and then carried out. It is there is a thought process and and multiple choices that go into this. So what I think Jesus is kind of addressing, right, is he says, if you hold it and then you act upon it, it will lead you down a path that is dire and has serious, terrible, terrible, terrible consequences. And Cersei, like, constantly makes these compromises, Mm -hmm. and the consequences are awful. They keep and they keep getting worse, <laughs> right? It's like it can't get any worse. It gets way worse. <laughs> Let's blow up the sept. Oh my gosh, that that scene was like, who's the who is the queen? The girl, Marjorie, Marjorie, Marjorie like, Tyrell. That the whole that whole episode, besides the the Tom and Olympics, man, that's not that's Ooh, not cool. But those memes, okay. man, were so funny. <laughs> um, no, but but. The, the bone chilling part for me was like her moment of realization was so like, man, that was a gut punch to me. Yeah. She was like, wait, she's not here. We need to get everybody out. And then boom. Yeah. You're like, Ugh! um, so it, it's, um, but that's a thing, right? Like, like those are choices we make. Um, and I think that's part of the hard part, right? When you measure it against like, well, a person doesn't isn't born thinking like all religions the same and all religions evil and terrible and the cause of all these things. That's learned stuff. Correct. Um, and and to be fair, like I have my own biases that I love to confirm. Right. Uh, how I won't say LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. But I would argue he needs to be in the conversation. <laughs> when when Kelly says that, listeners, don't believe him. He absolutely says that LeBron James is that's gonna be a talking point in a future episode, in case you're wondering. Stay tuned. Yeah, and, and I have my own and but again, right, like we call that the goalpost moving, right? Like we 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 set up whatever our percent here it is. We set up whatever is going whatever perception we need to validate our own stance. Mm-hmm. And then no matter how the conversation is going, no matter what is being discussed, no matter what is happening, we move it and pivot to confirm that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I will say, you know, that's one of the things with Jesus that always challenges me. Mm. He never lets... He, he never lets the the preconceived notion stand he never lets the bias go he he always gives responses that causes the the hearers or the questioners to have to reflect on themselves and reflect on where they they need to to change or grow and for 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 you know i've heard so many sermons i've heard so much I've read so many Christian theologians and thinkers who have kind of, 
rejoiced, and it's always fun when, when, when he's doing that to the religious elite who you can look and go, yeah, they're the bad people, right? They're the ones who are, who, are, who are setting all these unrealistic expectations, and they're so judgmental, and they're, they're as my, my children will say, they're such stupid faces. <laughs> Best insult ever, in case you're wondering. It's more difficult when Jesus does that to us. It's more difficult when Jesus, by the example that he gave, challenges me you know i'm all in when jesus is is telling off the 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 pharisees who come with with um these cooked up plots and these these questions that are designed to trap him and it's 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 always okay when they're like you know well in the kingdom which one should we for you know which which scenario is, is the right answer, Jesus? This woman had these seven husbands. Who's going to be your husband in, in heaven? And Jesus is like, you don't get heaven at all, do you? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, you don't get it. It's harder when Peter comes and says, how many times should I forgive someone? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I'm like, crap, now I have to do math. Which is essentially a horizontal eight. And for those of you who know what that means, it means infinity. Like that's the that's the analogy. Yeah. That's harder because man, I don't want to do that. <laughs> what what is it? Forgive those who harm you and bless those who persecute you? Like do good? Like love your enemy? Like yeah, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm going to ignore that part and confirm my own bias. <laughs> Jesus, I want you to smote their ruins upon the earth. Right? And it's and it is like and and I want to touch on something too. Cuz I think it's applicable to Cersei and and even what we're talking about. So so there is a part of us that I think rejoices at what we might consider justice. So I'm I also refuse to downplay the idea. So as a believer, right? Um, part of me wants justice. Uh, and so there's times when like the Pharisees are trying to cause harm to somebody and God wins. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that's the good stuff. The difference is too often because of my compromised state and my own confirmation bias is that's not justice for me. It's vengeance. Yeah. It's not grace and mercy and love. It's it's vengeance. And and that slope between the two is so tricky. Um and sometimes it's not even about just loving the other person. Sometimes it's also meaning that like I compromise and make bad decisions for me to go, well, I'm gonna stay in this relationship with this person or stay around these people and totally get dunked on all the time and not move on. Because I'm supposed to love them, and I'm supposed to be gracious and merciful and kind. And God's like, no! <laughs> Run! <laughs> Get out, right? Like, move on. And, love and- can say no? What? No. <laughs> love has boundaries? Hold on. What a concept. Doesn't and, sound healthy. Man, and, and so I love, but I love that, like, we, we champion, it's almost like we're totally cool with Jesus, as long as Jesus looks like us, talks like us, and loves the same stuff we love. Yeah, we're, we're okay with, like, like Cersei, we're okay with a world of absolutes. The grays make us uncomfortable. So when Jesus reflects our absolutes, we're good. When he calls us into beyond the beyond the the reach of our light into that dusk area, you know, where the visibility isn't always perfect, we get very uncomfortable. You know, one of the analogies that works for me is thinking about his interaction with those religious leaders and those religious elites and the judgmentals, and he's calling them, you know, you brood of vipers, you you hypocrites. Sons of Satan. Sons of Satan. (laughs) You know what he never says in that? Go away. Right. 
that's where I want to go with it, right? Like, we're good with banishing our enemies. We're not good with redeeming our enemies. Yeah, it's it's that fascinating thing, right, where you, know, you talk about not... Uh, he doesn't ever tell them to leave or to go away. He also doesn't manipulate crowds or circumstances to cause them harm. Yeah. Which is a which is a really difficult thing because Cersei exists in a world where I'm going to visit so much harm upon you that the perceived harm I think that could happen to me you won't ever dream of doing it because you will be so decrepit and so destroyed. Like the root, you cannot rise up against. You cannot me again. rise up against me, and even and not even again. Like you won't have the ability to ever rise up against me at all. Like before you even begin to think it, you will know, right? Like I'm I'm in charge, and it's so with with the spiritual context there, right? Is I mean, and and this is kind of more of not my closing thought, but kind of mm-hmm. is. Um, it's not that we march with Jesus until Jesus like makes me mad, <laughs> or it's not fair, Jesus. But it's it's definitely that idea that our culture, or the culture I live in, right, has very much dabbled, and I would argue, uh, sinisterly so, and with very serious, um terrible consequences has manipulated the things of God, right? All the way back to like, not all religions the same. And, yeah. and, and but, but to the point where, where Jesus is a representation of everything that I think Jesus is supposed to be. And this will be the, the final thought. I said this a couple months ago or weeks ago to someone, because we were talking about politics. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jesus was not a political entity. Jesus was a manifestation and a representation of God's own agenda. God has God's agenda. It's God's agenda. Yeah. It's not a political party. It is not a specific type of theology agenda. God has got it's God's agenda. Um, and that might sound very black and white of me. Um, but I have the option to go with God's agenda. Or I can be like, not that I have to be exactly like Cersei, but the pain of life and the struggle of life and the struggle of people and the paranoia and these things, if I allow it to, um, it, it can drive me to do things um, that are really like bad. Um, so I think that that's part of, I mean, that, that'll be the final thing is... We are trying, like, the Christian who loves God is trying to submit to God's agenda. And, and that takes time to figure out, and that looks different. Um, I do want to add this because I think it's potent and important. I had an aha moment two weeks ago uh, because of this new class I'm doing about how in my own giftings and how I do things, uh, my way is correct. And everybody else is wrong. <laughs> and... And not on purpose. Like, this wasn't, I'm poipus. But it was, there was this aha moment I had where, like, I wasn't, like, doing what Cersei does where, like, this was intentional. But because of emulated behavior that I was around and the way that I was being led in certain things, it there was this, like, oh, okay, this is the way. Right? And then it was, like, oh, no. It's not. This is actually, like, not at, at all. Yeah, that, that's not a, that's not a way to, to, to do this. This that that produces harm, <laughs> or it doesn't allow others to have like it, it. And even if it's not direct harm, like Cersei's like this really serious example of like direct harm to people, but it's also not full potential of my life or what I have to offer or or what what companionship and fellowship and, and relationship with others as we're on this journey together looks like. Yeah. Uh, so thoughts. 
I'm trying to think of thoughts now. <laughs> no. I really love that, you know, we, we labored in coming up with ideas for this episode. We did. <laughs> uh, we, we batted back and forth a couple of different topics, a couple of different themes. And as we came to, to really crystallize around the character of Cersei and really the destructive power of, of, of worldviews that are crystallized and can only be reinforced, I think that's really poignant for where we find ourselves right now as a, as a world. And I think that we really have to press into that uncomfortable gray space To, to really push through and maybe not always see, you know, we don't necessarily have to see a different perspective and go, okay, well, I got, you know, maybe not everybody's out to get me. I mean, but yeah, kind of. But I think it's super important for us to, to push beyond the, 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 the limits of that that worldview that, well, of course I'm always right. I'm super smart. Yeah, right. The idea that my perception of things is how they are mm -hmm. is really dangerous. Super, super dangerous. Hmm. And good. so see that I'm always right. Thank you very much. Send your checks wait, to... Wait, you're married. No, wait, yeah, I can't. Your wife's gonna come crash into the window right now. Like, <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> my wife my wife who's working thirty miles away <laughs> is hearing these words. Who's a wonderful person who would never do that. Uh No, my wife is awesome. <laughs> Married up. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh I love it. All right. This is Kelly. This is Adam. We'll see you on the next one. Dun -na -na -na, dun -na -na -na, dun -na -na.